Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. I'm MC Anime, and we're running back with the co-host today. How are you doing today, Leah? I'm good. It's some. It's a Monday. The week started out nice, so I'm excited to record, talk about the people we've got today, and oh, yeah. uh, just get into it. Oh yeah, no hungry either, so that's a good thing as well. Yeah, you and you're hungry, especially sneakers. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Thankfully, um, we have a we we're a continuation of the motif series, and what one particular aspect of motif that we're doing is teenage warrior motif. So, what was your thought process when teenage warrior came to mind for you? Um, essentially, I think everyone has seen an anime if you've watched one or maybe re- like read a manga. Where there's always that one kid who seems almost extraordinarily cooler or better than everyone else in his high school, um, comparatively, just because either they're the main character uh, or they just have some really, really cool ability that doesn't fit if you look at everyone else around them. So it could be super intelligence, um, it could be super strength or agility. It's just, like you said, latent ability, just them having yeah. this extra booster that everyone else doesn't seem to have. And also yeah. everyone also notices that they are significantly better because of this thing. Yeah, and also another thing with Teenage Warriors is the most, the highest potential they have in that capacity or in that particular field is really high compared to the general population as well. Not just mm-hmm. in the high school, it's like, you know, to the populace, they stand out very significantly. And yeah. that lack of strength shows through their achievements and how they became this lots of potential blossoming in the show we see. Absolutely. And usually that skill comes um, in great use for what whatever yeah. happens to be the story, whatever the arch of the story is. Um they they use this ability almost every episode to some yep. extent um or every time they sh- they show up or are featured uh yep. it's just it's like the same as breathing air for these people it's just a thing that they're really good at so we picked out some folks who actually when you watch them you're like oh that yeah that is their thing that that is their number one thing if you were to describe them oh yeah and all that just happened to be the teenage warrior motif so they're all like the high school age that we all wish to go back to. Mm-hmm. The good old bliss. Oh, boy. So, right. one that probably inspired this more than others was probably Dr. Stone. So, what was the thought bus behind Dr. Stone and Teenage Warrior? I mean, I picked Dr. Stone... Um... And Senku, who was the main character of the show, he has a very iconic look because he kind of looks like a green onion with his hair. He wears all, essentially all white, and then his hair goes up into this green kind of stock-looking style. Um, But he is incredibly intelligent. He was hyper-intelligent in the modern world, and within the show, there is this um, occurrence, this disruption that happens giant green light washes over the earth and turns everyone to stone in about 
30, um, what is it, like 3,700 years, 3,700, yep. flies by, and people are still petrified. And one day, Senku breaks out. But you're already shown that he's a very intelligent guy um, from him doing experiments uh, when he was younger and even doing an experiment when the event happens to the fact that he literally counted every single day that went by for over 3,000 years. So he knew exactly how long society had essentially just been paused. And, and um, by hmm. doing that, he was able to keep the mental fortitude and not lose it. So he kept, yeah. he kept exercising his mind even though he couldn't move his body. And some, some, so some reason, when you end the stone purification for that long, it really doesn't affect you from aging. And it also keeps you in a homeostasis like environment where you don't age and you don't necessarily need nutrients. It's basically every body system is like on hold until you get out of the stone purification process. Yes. I don't know how um, it's it's anime logic. It's uh it's it's not really well explained of why that's a thing, but it just is. And I I will say I don't know if the of what anime is. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if, I I know he says it in the first episode that him counting is what kept him sane. But yeah. also when <laughs> like when every other people are getting unpetrified, everyone's just like, oh, so I I. I guess we're here now. Most people take it relatively well. Um, weirdly enough. So like they do introduce that for him and then immediately, immediately just like, just keep it pushing. Well, the other like teenagers come out. Oh yeah. When they come out, they know that everything's different. Mm-hmm. Cause and you are conscious the entire time. Yeah. You're conscious the entire time, but you just don't exactly know what's going on. You just see oh, dark. No. however long of you pat pacing out of in out and out of consciousness all the time. So you know, also when the people first get out, they are like, I think nutrient deprived. They like immediately hungry, kind of thing. The body Which makes sense. Is so yeah. long that they just have really no energy. And we says uh, Senku that that the first episode he had no energy at all. So the first priority was get food in his body, and then mm -hmm. start immediately assessing where he was, how he's going to do these certain things, set up shop, um, you know, do a process to find out what the stone verification is, what substance ha can help to loot the process and actually crack the stone and he only has like a limit to supply so he works very hard on it gets someone that he actually knows who was I guess someone who was like just super athletic as a, oh, yeah he got his, he got his best friend out um because because they all got petrified while they were at school. So while he was at high school, but I mean, even beyond just like, they do make it very realistic. Like Senku yeah. doesn't have super strength. He doesn't have super speed. He has normal human abilities. And also he's a scientist, so he doesn't have yeah. like built up muscle. 
Um, so he does survive, I think, for a hot minute just on his own while he has to figure out how to unpetrify the others. But yeah. the thing that makes him stand out so much and the reason why the show's so fun is because yeah. it is also educational where he shows you step by steps like how to make ibuprofen or Advil, um, how to make a simple medicine that while today and in modern times for us, we were like, we can just go to the store for And that's the reason they're able to survive and he's able to fix stuff, um, even for the people, even for the humans that um, are later found along the way. Yeah. It's because he knows everything down to its like molecular level. Yeah. Yeah. Street for him is his big saving grace to change the world around him in the lack of technological development. So mm-hmm. in so they you know basically can start back up civilization very slowly and you know they it's kind of interesting because you get into the conflict of what they're going to do after people get unpetrified on a mass scale. Zinkoku, he's Sinko, Sinku is more worried about like they should be doing process slowly, we should integrate society at at a rate that is susceptible and not all at once and provide structure as we go by while the other person, the antagonist uh, wants basically wants more that society is now for all claim. We rise up in uh, as a, a we will rise up in numbers and have control over the stone purification process and who gets in, who doesn't kind of thing. Yeah, and it's not even just who gets in and who doesn't for everyone. No adults. No adults whatsoever. So what ends up happening is Senku, he gets his two best friends unpetrified. And then he's like, oh, you know, they end up finding who's called uh, Sukasa. His nickname is the world's strongest high schooler. So he's like literally what this category is also about and he's also yeah. a great example because he's literally so strong he killed yeah. a lion with his bare fist um yeah. and he's, he's the he's, opposite of what Sengoku is yeah and so he believes that the world however it got petrified it was probably the fault of adults and so the whole show is just a battle between essentially like the existent the the main example of like a yeah. caveman, just all muscle, bronze, <laughs> and really good at like like war. Also tried to kill Senku, like no hesitation. And then Senku showing um intelligence yeah. and using that to try and rebuild the world at a steady, healthy pace. So you yeah. watch the show and you watch that these two um high school or these teenage warriors basically compete against each other using different tools. One is yeah, going to use muscle and like a gun and a spear, and Senku is going to use science. There is one particular case where that like he outsmarted Tsubasa. I'm not going to go into like too specific, but it's actually a very climactic point in that season. But in a way, he fooled him. 
Let's just say what I like a possum would for another person. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess he, he so. Possum, he possum him. He uh, he possum his way out of the situation, and that's how it came to be. I think that is a great analogy. If people get it, then you can see what I'm talking about when you watch it. But mm-hmm. I think possuming your way out of the situation and banking on the fact of one particular detail that no one knew is pretty great. It's like a last ditch effort to, you know, survive in a way. I mean, I think that's really great in his like preparation process as well. He's able to think of possible contingencies ahead of time to account for to possibly use in a future sense. Yeah. And that's someone that you need to have. You need to have that type of person around who can think of alternative outcomes or potential problems. Yeah. Which I think Sengoku really does really well. I feel like his attitude is just the quest for knowledge and it empower it, to know it, you empower yourself through the understanding of the world of science to combat the Stone Age. Yeah, it definitely does take a different approach to because um, it is not technically an isekai, but it does have the isekai feel because they are basically transported into a different version of Earth from what they knew. Um, But you get to see how people survive where it's not just them building stuff. It's it's literally as if you're like playing Minecraft. Like you have to get all the items that you need in order to really build the thing that's going to make food for you or um, like make you medicine, make you a homes. And so it's very cool how they do it. And that's kind of how the story arcs go hand in hand with this battle of like humanity happening between him and his other high schooler. Um, So it'll be several episodes because it takes him several weeks to just do something as simple as like, like make a thing to process food or keep food cold or make medicine. And it, and then they pair it alongside um, almost getting murdered by Tarzan and it's it's hilarious. Like it's it's really good. Um it really yeah. brings up the David versus Goliath uh absolutely region. and also you know even David versus Goliath that's like really good. Brain versus bronze and which one is actually more not necessarily superior but could actually be the deciding result in a particular like one-on-one situation. Mm-hmm. Also in a group campaign, too. Because Bronze leads people in a different way than Brains would in in a group of followers. So, the leadership differences are, are very... Well, I will say for Tsukasa, um, who is the one with all the muscles, he, you think that he is kind of more of a meathead, maybe, when you first see him. Because you do see him, like, like I said, the yeah. instant you get he gets unpetrified, he immediately punches a lion to death that's trying to attack yeah. him. But then he's you realize very he's what a strategy. Yeah, he's he's, he's actually intelligent. Yeah. yeah, he's he's smart about the way that he goes about doing things, and he only unpetrifies people who either a are going to add to his team of strategists, 
or are just, you know, just goons who are totally fine doing whatever it is they're told to do. So I, I think that's what makes it better. And it's not just like some dumb evil character who doesn't want no. adults to be around. They, they add intelligence to them and they add death to them. So very occupational paralysis is really key when you see him gathering support and gathering up arms. Mm-hmm. Because he's doing through, like, he's still strategically building up arms into brute force kind of mentality. But he's doing, like, how a mafia would do it. He's the Al Capone gathering his followers and being strategic about who follows him. And then Singo, you know, Singuku, he's more like honoring the bands of friendship, but also very strategic in the operations, how he he condones his intelligence in the uh, grand scheme of things. Yeah. It's absolutely true. And the show itself is is pretty good. I think the anime is done. I'm not. I think it's done. But it's all it's yeah. all on I think I think it's on Crunchyroll. Yeah, I don't think Netflix it has it. Yeah, it's all on Crunchyroll. Um, and I thought they were gonna do a movie, but I believe mm-hmm. that they are not. Yeah. Um, also brings us, you know, one's a mad scientist. How about a fully intelligent <laughs> mad mastermind of crime, light from Death Note. Light Yuragami. Another another smart, very, very smart high schooler. Um, terrifyingly smart, I would say. Oh yeah. Uh, That's not why he's on this list. He's on this list for a very particular reason of the master mastermind. The criminal yeah. mastermind. The criminal enterprise. Yeah, it was it was a toss up between um yeah. him and then um Lelouch. Uh, oh, no, yeah. no. I when I was trying to think of like, mm. oh, who are people that definitely oh, yeah. Lelouch from Cold Geese and Light um, from Death Note are like, <laughs> they've got like almost the same hairstyle, yeah. and they're both evil. Like they're just they were doing so <laughs> well before they were given power. Like the second yes. they got a little bit of power, they immediately were like, let's burn the world. I'm I'm evil now. <laughs> they did like an evil villain laugh, and they were like, "Let's go!" It, it's I I love light. I love Death Note. Um, and for anyone who hasn't seen Death Note or seen the live action, it yeah. is a cat and mouse um kind of like thriller anime where a high yeah. school student, uh, Light Yagami, gets a thing called a well. yeah. It's also, it gets you on the edge of your seat, but he gets a Death Note, which is essentially a book from um, a Shishingami, which is a god of death. Yeah. Um, and if you write someone's name in it, you just write their first and last name, you they'll die of a heart attack in like 60 seconds. Now, or you, you can specify how you want to do it. They do a die attack and they do it like 30 seconds. If you is specify, it 30 seconds? I thought it was 60. Uh, it might be 60 seconds. Yeah, it is. But if you specify, you can specify the time of death, the location of the death, and specifically how the death can occur. Mm-hmm. So there's different so, ways to do it. Yeah, and, also, and so in the- yeah, you have to know the name 
Like you have to know the full name and have the image in, in their the, face. Yeah, in your mind. Yeah, you have to have their face in because of course, if you wrote wrote down like John Smith, every it's not going to kill every John Smith in the world. But name. you have to know their face and you have to know their name. Um, so what ends up happening is that he ba- first he starts off by killing people that he personally feels that is justified. There are rules to the death note. He, he's yeah. totally willing to take on everything that comes with it. Um, but he starts yeah. off doing what he considers justice in a world where he felt justice wasn't being served because his mom was killed. Yeah. Um, and the cat and mouth, younger. Yeah. The cat and yeah. mouth campaign comes in later. Mm-hmm. When we have Light, which is the other main character, well, secondary, particular character of L. L is an alias that is the master prodigy of crime solving and overall a consultant of the Japanese uh, government to, that is brought in to discuss uh, Akira, which is like Yumagami. And he's the one that is the contrast to light in many ways. But L is more like socially just resolved. He does the things that he wants it. But it's also, you can pick up that he's high awareness and acuteness and intelligence as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we had the master criminal mind, the, the person leading down the world to the anti-justice. And then we have the classic detective prodigy who basically is the complete contrast to God Complex of Light Yuragami. I think that's safe to assume. Like, I mean, that's pretty safe, yeah. Yeah, he's, He knows he's very highly ar- arrogant. We only know that L is arrogant. But his status and what he does. But he's not having a God complex like Light is in that situation. I don't even know if I would call him arrogant. He's just, but he knows he's good because he's brought in only for specialty cases. And and, um, even the people who are on his team, he has a very like select team of people that he works with. So I don't even know if it would be considered arrogant, but he does get high. Of course, he gets highly invested in figuring out who um, Kira is. And that's the name that Light goes by um, as he basically tells the world that he's their new god because he can kill you without ever having to cross paths with you. If he just looks you up and gets your first and last name, it sees your picture, that's it. And the thing Mm -hmm. is, is that they don't know how he's killing people without being around them and like inducing these heart attacks they don't know where he's located and they also don't really know what the motive is when they when the investigation starts there's like there's like two halves of the show yeah when l starts investigating he divides it to very perspective factors in the pacific region and then from there he's also able to identify what he's able to do in the uh the trap that he lies later in the show of like specifically honing on who is Akira and based on the, you know, access of information 
and all that deciphering is kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Light L is able to hone on on Akio as Light, but it's just speculation at that point. He needs to confirm it, and it's just unexpected events happen later in the story that just gets even more involved in the plot and then how it goes from there. But also, you know, even though they're in direct contrast to each other, they're very similar as well. While Stone, you know, Tubasa and Sengoku are complete opposites. They're in contrast, but they're not the opposite of each other. They're very similar. I mean, they're very similar, but they're still contrasting. I mean, even with Senku and Tsukasa, they both want the same thing, where they want the world to to be better than what it was in the past and also get out of this essential Stone Age. But Mm -hmm. the way that they go about it is two very different styles. And in, in Death Note, Alan Light are shown as being um, like two halves of the same coin. Essentially, they're both highly intelligent. They are both enjoying this game of like who is going to get who, even though people are dying. Like people, and this is the thing: the whole time that they're playing this cat and mouse game, people are getting murdered like every episode. Yeah. Um, but the main difference is just because you have power doesn't mean you're supposed to use it only for your own intentions. And that's that I love. I Everyone loves L because he is very kind of like eccentric in the way that he acts. And he's very odd in his mannerisms. But oh, yeah. as the show goes on, um, it becomes so iconic in, in making up of who he is that he yeah. bounces. He plays off a of L. Um, he plays off a of light really, really well. And like yeah. I said, light, light was already smart. Um, in his high school, he, you know, was attractive. He he was like, he looks like someone that you're like, oh, the, the perfect kid in school or maybe like the class rep in school. But underneath all of that is this yeah. burning hatred and belief that he is better and he is special and yeah. that he deserves this. And I think that's, he's just such a complex character. Yeah. He's, he's absolutely terrible. He's a horrible human being. But God, do I love the show. <laughs> like, I absolutely love Death Note because, um, because of how Light behaves all the way through. And he goes straight crazy, like, immediately. And also, like, even, Light, speed bump. also, Light is also, you know, impatient at times, get ahead of himself, and also can be uh, mad easily. You get on his skin, he his crisis bubble, when confronted, is very limited because he doesn't have that much experience. While L, on the other hand, has a lot more experience and the social, the psychological profile of a mass detective in a way. So it's really able to deduce patterns of behavior where light doesn't necessarily know that that behavior is what leads the investigation to him to say that he like when if when you watch the show and when you read it um you do see how like tries to prep himself but it is hard because he doesn't have any experience with it he does get mad but 
I think the way that they portray him handling stress and um, pressure yeah. is so much different than kind of what people had seen before with yeah. um, anti-heroes. Like when he gets freaked out or when he gets stressed, a lot of times it's when he's in the room with the people yeah. that he's trying to fake fake out and make them believe that he's on their side. So he's internally panicking and you get that internal monologue or the way the camera's like panned around him and the angles of it very much show very much so show that he's freaking yeah. out. But he doesn't he doesn't scream like every time L gets a little bit closer to figuring out it's him. Um you just you can hear the internal panic. But then on the yeah. outside he tries to play it cool. It's like, you oh, know, yeah. like when kids try to like pretend like they're not lying or like they haven't done yeah. something. He's like, I can I can I got this. Yeah. Don't never suspect a thing. And mm-hmm. it's it's really good. You know, that also brings in the question, like, if you have a particular weapon, how do you use that weapon? Are you going to use it for the part, the, the famous practices of anti-hero to pursue of justice and blind you? Or are you going to use it in a way that is beneficial to society? You know, one... You know, the other pen is mired in the sword, but in this case, is this can the sword actually be more impactful than the pen? You know, with our high school prodigies, they just have life that's easy. But Ayo Ichigo, what do you think about her? Oh, Ichiro, yeah, she, um. I don't have a dislike for, you know, strong-willed characters mm-hmm. that are very righteous, but yeah. they aren't my favorite. Um, at least in um, the show that she's in, mm-hmm. it, it totally makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. being a high school prodigy or being in a group of high school prodigies, I can see mm-hmm. why she could be very... And also with her skill and what she does, I can see why her personality is that way. But I think I think she's decent. Um... I don't know a crazy amount about her, but mm. if she's good enough to be considered essentially like almost a god in yeah. whatever world that she's in, I, I mean, got to give her her yeah. flowers. And uh, the the anime uh, high school apologies have it easy even the, in another world. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's an easy kai anime, straight and forward. They they'll end up playing Crash, and that plane crash. Admits them into another universe. They somehow are transport to that universe, but they're summoned by a deity that wants them in the universe to combat the foregoing uh, evil in the in the parallel universe. I guess there's a summon heroes basically. But they don't know what the connection is, and what the only source of information they have is the unusual circumstances that they came into the universe after passing over through the plane crash. Because I think they were originally just getting together for a conference or something, and they just disappeared, and the plane crashed, and they were rescued by the village. Each one of them is like seven individuals, all have different high skill sets. 
in the uh, high school poetry world that they come from. And they all recognize uh, as those prodigies. You know, we have the Prime Minister, Tusawa, uh, the genius inventor, Ringo, the former ninja and journalist, Shinobu, um, world-renowned doctor, Kani, the swordsman, uh, Ao, and the skilled magician, Pensatoksky, and the multi-millionaire, Mosito, which is, you know, uh, entrepreneurial type ability. But every one of them make up a very unique skill set. And, you know, the leader is a prime minister, so he's diplomatically knows how to lead people in a natural way, which is just, in itself, it's interesting, but with, uh, with her specifically, um, she comes from, like, a, a heritage of samurai in her family, so that uh, gets her, she gets passed down, and she's honed her skills so much that she has become the most renowned uh, swordsmanship, swordman or swordwoman in the world, and she's recognized for that prestige and that title is given to her. And, you know, to prove what her ability is, she was actually able to redirect a rocket's trajectory to launch it in a specific way, and she was wanting with the rocket to do so of that. So her physical capabilities is literally keeping up with something traveling over 200 miles per hour and able to steer it like a, like a throttle going on a car, but with her legs and arms alone. Which is kind of remarkable in itself. What do you think? I mean, it it perfectly fits with her being, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, like essentially the bodyguard of the main guy, whose yeah. name I think is also like Sukasa or whatever. Yeah. Um, but her mastery of her skill, I and it's really fun because they're put in this weird, like fantastical, almost medieval world. Yeah. And then I think her skills kind of probably fit the best. For that world. Um, So for them to show her being able to launch projectiles in a different direction Mm -hmm. is almost the same as like when you see like a swordsman like cut a bullet in half and it goes in like opposite direction. That's what it makes me think of. And also in her given uh, as a prodigy, she would actually sit on the battlefield and she'd just be the sole person on the battlefield dodging bullets, cutting bullets and actually Oh, a presence alone can change the outcome of that particular battlefield at that time because of her warrior mentality going forth and actually being really f- effective in that campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is the essential teenage warrior in this case, like by not, not even by representation of. What what it is, but like embodiment of it, actually. Yeah, and thoroughly of it. Yeah. Um And I mean, in this show, I think the best part about it because every everyone loves isekais. That's why they've yeah. like boomed up in popularity lately. 
Um, but in this one, instead of us having like a whole season one being, oh, you know, them getting used to the world and growing into their skills and then like seeing the flashbacks of their past lives, you're introduced to child prodigies who just happen to be the very best in the thing they do. Not just that they're great at it, but they're like the very top. So the dude who like cures cancers and like the first thing they do is like build, what was it? A nuclear plant? Yes. They feel, they like immediately start just launching this um this like old timey world into modern times and then they try not to take advantage of people because they're like we're so much yeah, the it's so war. easy. <laughs> yeah, they're waging, they're also the waging war on the empire too. They're saying that the empire, the the age of empire is done, you need a republic. So they're literally transforming the ideology of the world they are in. Saying enter empire and actually people represent vote for the government representatives themselves. So they're literally launching a revolution to change the world to a republic. Which is also really interesting to me. Like though not only though, you know, achieving great change, they're literally revolutionizing the ideas of people in the respective universe. Mm-hmm. The reason why they're able to find allies as easy as they do is for the simple fact that their ideology is literally why absolute monarch and the colonization and empire died out was because ideas proved that they're ineffective. They're not the ideal way to run the world itself. That's why they were trying to reach to rid the world of the empire and bring on to the age of the, the new republic. So in a way, it's like the, the most extreme progressive change we've seen, which doesn't really happen in much shows like that. I mean, I think it's a nice change. I, and I, I think they did it because it is very easy to be yeah. like annoyed with child prodigies or like uh like prodigy students or whatever because anytime you watch an anime where there's like the perfect guy in high school and he's <laughs> not the MC, like you immediately are like yeah i shouldn't like him how dare he be great and so i think having them put in this world and not be immediately the worst people on earth or like only doing selfish desires um, and trying to help people get into this new age of government and yeah. uh, like sovereign living. That, oh, yeah. that that makes them lovable and it makes you be like, I want to see these guys succeed. Oh, yeah. Especially because they're, they immediately start working as a team um, rather than it being like they just go off and all do their own thing and you have to wait for them to eventually come back together. Oh, yeah. So, and, you it's, know, all seven hard. of them like you have the leadership and capability, you have the genius inventor, which basically is technology itself. You have the information gather since ninja journalists uh, approach, and you also have the you know healthcare being traumatically well. Healthcare means like the treatment of health to individuals, the medical field being. Dramatically changed, and because they just use magic, so they'll understand that science is very limited in that mm-hmm. way. And then you have the military strength showing off, you know, 
swordsmanship and training, military training in a way. You know, and then I don't know, Princess Aksky being the magician of entertainment and being like the symbol of a god to go against the empire. Yeah, that's a stretch for me. But hey, entertainment is a key thing to have in society. And and also the uh, the complete Mongol of business being the multimillionaire. So I think, you know, because those are the biggest impacts there to affect society, really. I did not realize that this kid was a magician. That, <laughs> I told, yes. That, that yeah. literally made me laugh. And then, like, the way that they described it, they were like, he once made the Statue of Liberty disappear. How? <laughs> How did he do that? Tell me your secrets. And it's like, yeah, so he gets... He gets um uh he gets the chick to be his like bodyguard because I guess now everyone thinks he's a god. That's yeah. hilarious. That's absolutely yeah. freaking hilarious. The yeah, Statue of Liberty, dude. <laughs> you know what? That does make him a prodigy. <laughs> like, what a ridiculous feat. Oh, that's well, insane. I told you. What a ridiculous feat. Yes, it is really great. That's hilarious. I think it. I think that's also funny because she does have a very, like, kind of like straight, uh, personality, yeah. and um, has a very like you know, a very like she wants to help people and do the right thing, but very yeah, he, righteous about he, it. And then being with yeah. the person who's literally a magician. Don't forget, he's that's, a he. Well, that's he's not female. That's not a chick. Have no, it's no, 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 no. Um, uh, eh, oh my god, the Ayo? Yeah, no, no. I know the magician oh. is a boy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know having the environment of training and family ties and having the strength to cut through the battle forces on the battle line is very effective in itself. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it's there. Like, they are still have attachment to the prior will. They're trying to get back. But the way they want to do that is that they're seeing that they have to make change. And maybe that will make them go back. They don't really know for sure. So they'll only have like a working theory of just, well, we don't know if we can get back. We'll just change the world over here mentality. I mean, might as well. That oh yeah. If if you got into a plane crash and instead of it being like lost, mm -hmm. you went to a magical dimension. I mean, I guess the least you could do is just yeah. try to live the best life you can until you figure out how to get yeah. back, or yep. I don't know, make a plane and crash that. Mm -hmm. And speaking of changing the world, there's a particular individual who loves for the world to be growing and just ever changing. That's Sato Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh. Woo! The original child prodigy. Yes. And, okay, so Seto almost didn't make this list, because you almost didn't want to add him. And I was surprised. I I mentioned him, because I thought you would be excited to talk about him, because you love Yu-Gi-Oh! And you almost wrote him off. You no, almost said he was off. just a guy. 
No, okay. I didn't let him off. I forgot that he is the <laughs> CEO. Prodigy at such a young age in the Kybercorp. I think Kybercorp is his one of his biggest accomplishments. I mean, I would say so. It's it's worldwide, and he basically is like the he's managing, um, yeah, like a giant card game. Like he's so rich. Seto Kaiba is so he's stupid rich. I don't know why he even goes to a regular high school. I forgot why does he go to a regular high school? Was it like in his like it wasn't it like something he he was required to do? Because I don't know why he's at a like at Yugi's high school. Yugi is poor compared to Kaiba. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mostly because instead of like doing private tutors, he has like an he wants to be obligated to attend a regular high school to have like some normalcy in his schedule. I think the high school, him going to it is like a, a symbol. Well, he's super rich and has all this feats, but it also defines him as just like you and I, he just, he goes to high school, even though he's a prodigy in its own right. Hmm. It's also that bait, you know, that commonality kind of thing, as well. And also, what's an, what's a better plot device other than had them at the same high school? I mean, yeah, I figured it would probably be better. If I, in my mind, even as a kid, I was like, why didn't they just like meet at a, a tournament or something? You know, like if Yui showed up and then turned into Yami and was just like killing the game. That would have made more sense to me than it being like, yes, this man who runs this like multi-billion dollar company is at a public high school and he deals he deals with Joey for free. Like he's he doesn't even pay like he's just at school just dealing with some kid who he absolutely hates. And he hates all of Yugi's friends and Yugi himself. So <laughs> I I just never got it. Like this kid is so angry. He has so much <laughs> yeah. money. He's so angry all the time. Yeah, I know. So it's so hilarious. But, but like he's smart enough to run the company. He does everything for it. He also raises his brother, yeah. uh, Mokuba, who I I hated Mokuba as a kid. I hated <laughs> him. Because he is essentially like um he's like princess peach from freaking super mario dude just keeps getting kidnapped and i'm like is he really getting kidnapped or is he just sneaking out like he's just he's like yeah you know what if he gets me out the house yeah take me so he's please. the damsel in distress but in, in a, a male representation they gave him long hair just to be like he's still a damsel oh my gosh it's oh absolutely ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous. Can you oh, imagine yeah. your brother oh. being Jeff Bezos and oh, every God. week you're getting kidnapped by men in vans or something? So upsetting. So upsetting. Yeah, that, you know. <laughs> it's just for the story, <laughs> whatever. A dance on the stress archetype in Yu-Gi-Oh! is very evident of that as well. Yeah. Like, he's fair. probably a better version than uh I think what's her name? Ty? Tia? No, she's she's he's a better version than Tia being damsel in distress. And Tia's a damsel in distress too. Like an actual damsel. You know what? You're that's fair. 
I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just get like, I always got like aggressively angry every time Okubo like ended up being yeah. taken away. And I was just like, are you serious? <laughs> In your own home? I was like, this is ridiculous. Spoiler doesn't know what the dance on the stress archetype is. It's that literally. Is very true. Huh? No, I said, wait, who wouldn't know? Yeah, the damsel in the stress is they constantly get rescued and have to rely on others to help them out of situations of like kidnapping and uh, just always just the rescuing aspect is really yeah, high. Yeah, think, think princess in um like a tower knight has yeah. to come and get her yeah. fight a dragon, you know, and you know, live happily ever after. Yoda, and then they have their happy after, you know. Except in this one, it is like a thirteen-year-old boy, twelve-year-old boy, which is just a brat in my case. He's literally just a spoiled brat. He's just like the assistant brother of Kaiba Corp, and Kaiba just tells him what to do. But he knows exactly what to do. It's so funny because he he actually gets along with everyone Kaiba hates. Like, everyone loves Mokuba, and they're willing to help Kaiba because it's his little brother. But Kaiba essentially has, like, no friends. And it's so funny that his classmates are like, I mean, we like your brother. I guess you could come, Kaiba, like, when we go save him. I guess you could come. You're the worst, but I guess. And I I always thought that was (laughs) hilarious. And the only person who, like, never-endingly... I don't know. I think Yugi is like <laughs> is he is if SpongeBob was a high school student. Like yeah. he does not seem to get that like his Squidward like Kaiba does not like him and does not <laughs> want to be his friend and to stop trying in every oh, single episode. Oh. Yugi is just like, "Come on, Kaiba. Let's go oh, play some cards." It's ridiculous. Oh, you had the Bob so Squidward reference. Oh my <laughs> god! But um, besides his his high intelligence, what he does have, Ugh. um, he is he, very courageous. Yeah. Like he he he'll sacrifice himself. He'll do whatever it takes yeah. to like take care of his brother. Um, and they do humanize yeah. him quite a bit. Uh, another achievement. Another achievement of him specifically is advancing the Yu-Gi-Oh! format to basically having the the on-field simulations. But instead of just the physical cards, now you actually have virtual reality implemented in the, you know, Doris Monsters Sega. And even at the uh, the first tournament, oh, shoot. The Pegasus and stuff. Like, the the fields look a lot better and animated and the monsters come on the field more. He's responsible for that technological change. Mm-hmm. And, and also, it, even after Door Monsters, uh, he's mentioned like in GX and uh, Kaibo actually starts a Doris Academy and the Doris Academy is on an island with a volcano. Yeah, the location's not that great. And it's isolated from everyone else. Yeah. But aside from the Doris Academy on a volcano island, um, he stands up on that score and he also keeps advancing the uh, Yu Gi Oh card game 
to the point where now you don't need a giant stadium to play the game, but now you can play it on a virtual disc anywhere, really. And that virtual disc does the same uh, early version of the giant stadium with the uh, holograms looking like coming to life and stuff. And also with Kaiba, it's kind of funny. When it gets into the Egyptian god with Merrick and stuff, he's still in disbelief of everything going on. That he's believed that science is still the way to answer the, his understanding of the world. Oh yeah, that part gets hilarious. Just the fact that like <laughs> it doesn't matter what's happening. He's like Scrooge McDuck. He's just like foolish. Science is everything, and it's like Kyber, you just got transported to a dark. Like, come on, dude! You just got sent to Shadow Realm. Get it together. Get oh, it together. God. And it <laughs> he. Outside of him being extremely, like, absolutely just refusing to believe that magic or anything of that nature could be going on, um, he doesn't believe he's a reincarnation, even though Yami is literally a god, like a pharaoh, telling him this. <laughs> um, and then, do you remember that time where he, like, mm. got to Pegasus Island, because, of course, Mokuba had been, like, kidnapped, and he, yeah. like, jammed a dude's gun with a card, with a Yu-Gi-Oh card? Yeah. That, I was like, well, you know what? He is better than me. I couldn't do that. Yeah. He can also fight, which I thought was kind of yeah. OP. How dare he well, be super smart, he, super rich, he, and he fight. literally raised in money. So why would he not take lessons to fight? Yeah, that, mm. Why is his brother always getting kidnapped? You're saying this as if, as if, if we could just ignore the fact that his brother cannot fight. Mokuba cannot fight. He's not super great at anything he's just a regular kid so i to me i thought it would make sense that he would probably not be a great fighter but no yeah, he yeah. knows he knows how to fight he can fly planes like he's a great pilot he's of course an amazing duelist um weirdly obsessed with blue eyes white dragons yeah um but he he I don't know, he's just crazy well rounded as a character. Oh yeah. And, and, and in any before other show. Yugi came along, before Yugi came along, he was the undefeated world champion of various mm -hmm. games like Duel Monsters and Chess. And no even though he doesn't have a degree, he's very you know, very highly skilled in science and technology specifically, most notably programming and engineering. Computer software and also building cutting edge such as the Kyber Court, you know, dual disc and advanced solid vision technology. Mm -hmm. Also, um, you know, one thing we forget I is that he can hack into almost any network. And we've seen that multiple times throughout the show. He's a noble hacker. He's very advanced. Know all that thing. Yeah, it, it isn't like he just got handed money or got handed it's an inheritance and then that's all he has. Um, no, he the actually fact that he has, it. yeah, he actually worked for it, and every day he has to like hold his own in this giant corporate world while also simultaneously taking care of his younger brother and navigating like weird social dynamics with people he doesn't like in the slightest. I don't know why he doesn't even like um, Yugi, but he does kidnap his grandfather to challenge him to a yeah. duel. <laughs> he. Couldn't handle the idea that he would lose a card game to anybody else. And yeah. Not, 
not yeah. evil, not not completely good. He's a we're just saying his intentions after that defeat with Yugi. His intentions just became to defeat Yugi. He was literally that. He's literally the rival that would just the only one, other than Yugi, be able to match other people and beat on a grand scale of things. And it was only like once where he, I think, he won against Yugi, and Yugi just straight up used polymerization on a spell card and a monster card, and say, "Oh yeah." This polymerization of this spell and trap card uh, of this monster card basically now makes your blue eyes ultimate dragon not able to attack and you lose life points. Da da da. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, after this many turns, it destroys itself. It turns to sludge, which does not make any sense at all. Zero sense. But that happens a lot in Yu Gi Oh! where every now and then yeah. it's like, rules be damned. We're doing it, and it's especially just like in oh, the first season. especially in the first part when you had the that grand tournament. Everything wasn't like like sound, you know. Everything of the field zone to the let's just say that was the unexplored rules before the show actually implemented rules. <laughs> Yeah, you could get a, you could get away with a lot. I mean, the other I don't know the other seasons of Yu Gi Oh has just as much foolishness and like debauchery. No, but that first season is even more infamous for that. Very true. <laughs> the other ones actually have very few exceptions to the rules, except you know the Golden Castle Stormbug being an illegal Yu Gi Oh card that was never made. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. You know, there's like different things like that kind of cool as well. I do have to say, probably out of everyone that we've mentioned on this list though, yeah. Seto Kaiba dresses like a child prodigy. Yeah. Like he he dresses like someone who knows he's supposed to be the main character. Yeah. And then Yugi dyed his hair and got some hair gel. And then somehow he became the main character. But like Seto's, like his white jacket, um, the like dual card holder that they they ended up like making so you could actually use that too to play games. Yeah, he he has such a cool look. I still There's want also that jacket. An argument you could say that during his reincarnation, he's immune to the uh, death note itself because he, he's a reincarnated body. So I don't think that would necessarily work on him. You don't think so? I mean, considering his connection to ancient Egypt and being reincarnated and had a purpose to, you know, unite, the, defeat the darkness, I, I really think that, you know, the Death Note won't work on him. It's because of, I mean, he's just summoned obelisks, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, you know what? I guess you're right. I was like, in weird logic, it actually makes sense. But an actual show writing, it won't happen because they don't exist. Well, actually, no. I'll take that back. In the show in Jump Force video game, 
there is light coming into the universe as an NPC and Yugi coming in the universe. And I also think Sato Kaibo does come in too. Oh so my there, God. there are in the uh, in traditional sense shonen universe connected to Jump Force in that multiverse theory. <laughs> if there's a will, there's a way with nerds. Like, well, technically, they did do this or that. <laughs> what do you mean there's a will, there's a way with nerds? The amount of like the amount of fan theories that are out there that if you if you have any idea, like if you have any belief for maybe about a character or like their intentions or whatever, I'm a hundred percent sure someone has made like a Reddit thread to discuss it and like go into detail why that theory makes sense or is right. I've seen it so many times. And that's almost all of my Discord conversations. It's just someone being like, No, this makes sense. And then they outline how and then it's like how you get from point A to point Z and then like all the little points in between. Not a bad thing. But nerds well, yeah, I, No. You know, hearing this, if you like Leo want to support the conspiracy theory of animes, go ahead. It's good discussion. You might not be always agreeing with everyone, but very true. If you want to prove this particular whatever Easter egg here is the connection of the big finale. Go ahead, because you know what? All up, it's all up, it's all beyond what the user thinks. It's the the eye of the beholder. If you see something more, because <laughs> you who knows you actually might be true, or you might actually get someone to actually write that and make it canon. So your might your theory one day might actually be proven right. In the grand scheme of things, and you can have a podcast just like this. Oh God! Don't <laughs> a podcast like that. Oh gosh, we had to explore something about conspiracy uh, theories and about this, about that. That'll just be anime conspiracy theories. That's it. Or Nothing else. Like fan fiction logic is. That. Oh God! No, please, please no. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> please no. Please no. That'd be fun. How to write? How to do a, a fan fiction? Right? Oh, come on. See, even that would be controversial because people would be like, "There is no right way to do fan fiction. It's whatever you believe." And it's like, huh? That there's that a, is a whole. Still a way to, there's still there is a way to set up continuity, and you can talk about that because continuity. Because you can't just say. Everything's a multiverse, and it all exists in that multiverse. You also have to have basic understanding of the character to write really good fan fiction with continuity connecting it. You you could, or if you're just like, you know what, screw that. I just want to write whatever I want to want, like I want to put down. You could just say they're out of character. Just tell people it's like, nope, out of character. Yeah. Yeah, but it's most people say they are in character. They don't say they're separate from the universe. They want to connect uh, it. No, yeah, really no, no, yeah, but I think I think fan fiction has that like uncanny valley feel to it sometimes where you're like, it kind of sounds like the characters, but still it's kind of off. Because again, people are writing from their from their like creativity and what they would like to see their characters in. Like a scenario well, that they would like to see happen. Cool, then we can discuss your potential favorite fanfic and go from there. Let's start. Let's yeah, not and let's say we did that. it. 
Oh, that'd be great. I mean, oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Let's not and say we did it. Fine. I I'll get somewhere. <laughs> I how about this? You can put me in contact with one of your friends. I'll prove them or I'll talk with them about their fan fiction. Oh my god! I just had a conversation with one of my friends who <laughs> who absolutely was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go hang out with what like my old friend." And then she got back and she was like, yes, yeah, so she invited me to join her fan fiction writing club. And I was like, don't tell me anymore. <laughs> don't. I'm not joining, but I will support you. But I'm not joining. <laughs> I mean, if I was writing stuff, I wouldn't mind. But like, I don't write fan fiction, but I do understand fan fiction a lot. So. It's not for everybody. And that's okay. That's fun. But yeah, that's the uh, you know <laughs> fan fiction arc at another to be announced at another date. But that is the end of Teenage Warriors. We kind of made it like a metaphorically sense for like you know all these individuals proving Latin ability in their perspective fields, and I think we had a large range of characters. You know, we had the multi-millionaire. Mm -hmm. We had the master criminal mind. Uh, we had the, uh, you know, the physical representation of the royal persona. And then we also had the mad scientist. So, I don't know. I think that represents a lot of Latin ability in the old teenage they all have taken place in uh, a variety of some worlds. familiarity with high school, not all of them, like in the main theme, but have I that. I think you see, yeah, you see all of them in high, high school. Yeah. You know, even though Seto Kaiba looks like he's like 25. He's a grown man. <laughs> Seto is a grown, he talks like a grown man. I know. Like, Silence, you fool. And I'm it's like, the is such, like, beyond his ears, and yet, oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, I, I like Kaiba better than Yugi, because Yugi has, like, a split personality, and that's why he has these powers, but Kaiba actually works for everything he got. It wasn't just yeah, given to Kaiba him. Yeah, but Kaiba also will steal your family members. Like, he will steal your grandfather. If he thinks yeah, that you need to but do he had him. a blue eyes white dragon, so I wanted to be the only one in existence to own three copies. And you know, Grandpa Yugi just happened to have a blue eyes. That old man just wanted to run his shop. He just he wasn't even bothering anyone. And then he just gets kidnapped by this very tall, like it's very it's tall, angry child. That Kaiba finds out that Yugi, Grandpa Yuki has that card. Or you sell it. You know what? You, that's just what these teenage prodigies do. Sometimes they steal <laughs> your family. Sometimes <laughs> they get transported to another world and try and overthrow an overlord. But what oh, are you yeah, going to do? Then you do your own father, too. Exactly. Like so <laughs> oh different strokes for different folks. But is there any uh, closing argument you want to put? Um teenage uh like teenage warrior types, 
they can seem very fantastical, but I think that they add a cool flavoring to like any story. Anytime you get introduced to someone who's like young, and especially when you're younger and you're first mm -hmm. watching anime, seeing someone be that cool and being recognized for being that cool or being that like unique, yeah. it, it just makes the show that much more fun to watch because then you're like, yeah. oh, it was so awesome if I was that person and that. That's just, it's just a good time overall, especially if you're watching it with friends. Oh, yeah. I, thought, I like Teenage Warriors. I think that they're a pretty fun motif to have in shows. Um, and if they're done right, they end up being your favorite character without you realizing exactly. it. Oh, yeah. You you just, you have a a new feeling of what it is. It's not just the physical representation of the Code of Honor and Bushido Co. It's they have just lots of ability and proven to be at a very young age, really capable in their own. So, in their own sense. Mm -hmm. But that wraps up this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And stay tuned for the next couple episodes in the Motif series. Yeah. But we'll be back I next week, you guys. I'll see you. Bye. And we'll not be overly hyped. Maybe we'll have... <laughs> Adults who are super powerful. Who knows? Who knows? Aye. The whole the world holds in your uh, beyond what you think. Very true, especially in the world of anime. Yes. So thanks for listening, guys. And we will catch Very you next week. Aye.